I was up in Montreal on a tour and I jumped this really technical jump to uh, like a metal crate that had an overhead above it. So it changed my landing technique, um, which caused me to slip on my feet. And the drop was a nine foot drop to concrete and I was actually falling head first. So in this point, that could have gone terribly bad. That could have been anywhere from, um, you know, serious permanent injuries to even possible death. But I had been practicing um, these falls and these slip outs enough. So I naturally found my balance kind of on my on my butt and backflipped off the electrical crate and landed on my feet. So I was definitely a little surprised because I was mostly watching my body and my muscle memory do that. It was a little scary, but um, it was kind of cool to walk away completely uninjured. Episode 69, Parkour, with Amos Rendow and Brandon Douglas. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. On this episode, I have Amos Rendow and Brandon Douglas from Apex Movement in Boulder. He goes by uh, Dougie McFresh. <laughs> Dougie That's McFresh. What they call me. Amos is a co-founder of Apex Movement in Boulder, which is an 11,000 square foot parkour gym. He is also a co-founder of Parkour EDU and has over eight years of training under his belt. Brandon Douglas is a Colorado native, University of Colorado alumni, and also has five years parkour experience. He's a member of the Apex Movement Pro Team and a creative director at Apex Movement. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Amos, before we go any further, can you do me a favor and explain what parkour is for their listeners who may not have heard of it before today? Yeah, yeah. Usually this question can be pretty complicated to answer um, compared to other sports and arts, but... In the most general sense, it's the science of movement. So we're studying how to move our bodies through this world in the most effective way. Um, that's the kind of the baseline approach. Um, outside of that, there are a lot of aesthetic approaches. So you'll see flips and spins. Um, or for various um, objectives, you might change your technique, but it's the science of movement at the base. Okay. What are the origins of parkour? Uh, a lot of us believe that there really are no origins. Um, is you know, early animals and people hunting use this, but the uh, people that brought a conscious study to it uh, came from France in the 1980s. <clears throat> okay, I, I get what you're going with that. So it was French military. There was a, it was a matter of their training, is what the the common story is. Um, can you go into that a little bit? Why is it they were training with something like parkour? Um, yeah, it has kind of a long history. And to, to keep it short, uh, there was a man in France who was highly influenced by the military obstacle course training. And he taught his kids um, or his son and um, nephews um, what he learned. And then they just took it on as uh, a conscious practice with games and to imagine themselves in emergency situations. Okay, that makes sense. So I went into a little bit of each one of your bios a little bit in that intro, but you guys have some uh, pretty long list of bullet points. Uh, Brandon, can you go into a little bit more about who you are and um, what makes you qualified to to talk about parkour? Uh, I'm not qualified, first of all. <laughs> um, I've, I, no, I have, I've got a lot of experience, maybe an, I had an accelerated path, I would say, even through, through my training. I was exposed to Apex Movement in 2010 when I was like studying at CU, and I realized there was a group of people doing parkour, which, again, like I'd actually heard about it and seen it when I was much younger, um, but didn't really you know, know that it was called anything, and people said that yeah, the, there's groups of these people doing it. And I found out that Boulder actually had a really good community already. And even more coincidental was the fact that Amos went to the, the same high school as me. And so I had an in with his brother. I was like able to find out about these classes like early on. Um, so I started studying and training in 2010. And I took pretty well to it, I guess. And I 
in even just a few short years, like three years, I think I did my first parkour competition in Seattle. Um, or like first like big parkour competition. I'd, I'd done some stuff with Apex before, but that just, was kind of like my, go ahead. I just want to say, um, he started off by saying that he's not really qualified to talk about it, but despite him only training for five years, um, Brandon actually is one of the top athletes uh, in the world when it comes to obstacle course racing right now. So he's won first place in the last, like, I don't know how many international parkour comps. Um, so he definitely has the qualifications there and the understanding and he's definitely an advanced practitioner. Yeah. That was what I was getting into. Basically that was my first, thank you. Thank you. That was my first competition in Seattle. And then I ended up going through and started to really do well, these horse running competitions and uh, yeah, podium to pretty much every single one that I've been in. I got a lot of first place, um, which you know it's it's surprising to me still as as anyone else, I guess, because um, I came out of nowhere in a lot of ways. But uh, I think that it helped being a part of Apex Movement Community and being part of like one of the older training programs, like one of the first and most legit training programs for parkour in the United States. And um, also, I just had a huge passion for it. I mean, as much as Apex Movement was a part of it, like. I just knew that this is like something that I liked and enjoyed and wanted to do um, early on. And I shot myself in the foot because I knew it even when I was 12 years old and I first like was exposed to it and I didn't really even start training until I was 21. Wow. So it's been around quite a while. Um, how long has it been something that people have practiced over here in the States? Uh, I think it kind of arrived in the States probably about anywhere from 13 to 11 years ago, uh, and actually Ryan Ford, uh, who was my first instructor, started the first program, uh, formal program in the Western Hemisphere here in Boulder. Wow, that's cool. I, I didn't realize. I mean, I'm just kind of, I would say in the last year, I've I've understood what parkour was, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing when things are around that long, and all of a sudden you're just recently awoken to it. You, th- you think it's brand new, you know? <laughs> yeah, we've seen that ourselves. It's been an interesting experience because back when I started, people would see me in public and be like, what is that grown man doing? That's really <laughs> And then And now they and, shout parkour, parkour at you, and you yeah. want to smack them. Yeah, everyone's asking you to do a backflip. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of annoying sometimes that so many people know what it is in a basic way. But I think we're kind of transitioning into this place now where so many people know about it that it's not even cool anymore to yell out hardcore parkour. So that's, that's, a, that's a nice new phase. Yeah, yeah. I like that phase. <laughs> there was a really famous episode of the office where they do parkour in the episode and it blew up enough that they started screaming that at you now yeah. in the streets. Actually, I want to it's take, still, it's still a little rampant. It's, t- it's tapering off, but I want to take the opportunity yeah. for anyone that's listening Please, to public this. service announcement <laughs> for anyone listening to this. That's actually the worst thing you can do to anyone training parkour. It happens all the time. It's super annoying to demand backflips and yell out hardcore parkour. So if you don't want to sound like an outsider, don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's a really good tip. Darn it. I was just going to start doing it. <laughs> in, in the service <laughs> you blew my plan. announcement. <laughs> we, we sympathize. We know that you know mostly their intentions are just they want to connect in some way with someone yeah. that's doing that. And they're like, oh, I know that. And this is my relation to it is I yeah. saw it on the office. Once we but. realized that we stopped getting in fights as much with uh, <laughs> yeah. passersby. <laughs> just, just, kidding. just kidding. We don't fight anybody. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want you guys to go into a little bit more detail about the competitions, but not just yet, because I want to have Amos do the, the same rundown of his bullet points. Uh, give us the rest of your bio. Um, yeah. So I'm a, an owner of Apex Movement. Um, I work with Ryan Ford um, as far as designing the systems and curriculum and things that run our gyms. Um, I'm also a co-founder of Parkour EDU, which is our attempt to create high-quality coaching and standards in the parkour world um, through an online platform, coaching certifications, and then maybe even eventually gym certifications as well. Um, Outside of that, I have a few projects that I run. Um, One's called Parkour Ukimi, and that's kind of like the art of falling for parkour. Um, where for the last, I think, six years or so, I've put a lot of effort and time in learning how to um, adapt a lot of the falling techniques I learned from martial arts and apply them to concrete and strange shapes like handrails and walls um, so that not only my training was better, but I could actually bring that to other people's training. 
so that's a big part of uh, one of my projects. And then another project is called Parkour Rondori. Um, same thing, highly influenced by martial arts. I saw a big gap in the parkour world as far as a focus on how these skills can actually help you in a time-sensitive challenge, maybe an emergency situation. So I'm focusing in on what, what about our training could be more focused on so that we could be prepared for emergency situations with our training. Um, so those are my two major projects. Um, I'm owning and running those other businesses, Parkour EDU and Apex Movement. And outside of that, I am an information activist and um, all-around good guy. Except for that last part, it's all true. <laughs> yeah, the last part was last. I was going to say, is that true, Brandon? Uh, uh, no, I mean, everything except for the last part was all true, yeah. All right, well, we'll, we'll just pull it out. <laughs> you said it right out. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said it. Just... <laughs> so Parkour EDU, this is going to be an online system um, where people – I envision kids and I think of my son, he's watching parkour videos on YouTube and I envision these kids thinking, I'm going to try that. You know, I'm going to go find a stone wall and see if I can't flip over it and, and, and smoothly and whatnot, you know, and then cracking themselves on the, on the, on the bricks. Yeah. So this is a, a way to basically give them professional instruction that they can turn to if they don't have professional uh, training in their city, I assume. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's odd to me. A lot of people, think it's strange that there are parkour classes when they hear about them they're like weird there are classes for that but that that strikes me as odd because otherwise you're just trying stuff you see on youtube so it's incredibly important that there are professionals that have very safe progressions and equipment and gyms like pads and uh things that can help them progress slowly um and that's what we do and what's really cool actually is kids are going to do this stuff anyways so they're basically hooking it up for us they're, they're either going to go out and try to jump off something because of something they saw or just kids do that anyways. So it's great marketing for us because the parents are like, okay, my kids are going to hurt themselves anyways. I might as well take them to professional uh, instructors. So Yeah, I think that's the right way for parents to look at it. Um, I think the, uh, an instant reaction from parents is, no, no, you know, don't, you're not going to do that. In fact, my, you know, my, my son came home, or I should say my son watched a video and said, parkour, I want to do that, parkour. I'm like, what is parkour? I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, no, there's no way you're going to do that. Get on your motorcycle. Go ride that instead. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, people, I mean, it's, it's bad because it does have a little bit of like – because we talked about where it's at right now and how much people are aware of it. They, you know, they have preconceptions about like how difficult it is, how much preparation goes into the moves they see, and and also how dangerous it actually is, and how dangerous those moves are. And people kind of assume that people don't train as much as they do, and that it's very dangerous. But um, and like the other day, a kid came in, and he's like his first day. So I'm reading him like the open gym rules, telling him how to be safe in open gym at Apex, and he's like, oh, I was like, oh, so how'd you hear about? It? He's like, oh, I've been practicing. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's like, yeah, I've jumped off a lot of, like, really high stuff. And I was just like, face palm, like, no, man. <laughs> like, it's it, that's, like, the most upsetting thing is, like, that's what kids think it is when they first come in sometimes. So it's so important that they get to actually realize that, no, 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 they, you don't go jump off of high stuff. That's not what it's about. Um, that's, you know, a product of years and years of training. And it's a, a, a sort a sliver. It's like a, it's like the visible light part of the electromagnetic spectrum as far as, you know, it's really interesting to watch, and that's what a lot of training, like high-level athletes, will want to do is take it to a high level or take it to a high-impact scenario, um, especially for a film. But most people, and the vast majority of even those high elite athlete training, most of their training and most everyone's training is low impact and working on techniques to make sure that you're safe and getting stronger. Yeah, I think it's time for uh, another service announcement. <laughs> um, so. I do want the audience to understand because I feel like this is such a common misconception that parkour is one of the safest things I've ever done in my life. I've played soccer, skateboarding, snowboarding. Um, I ride a motorcycle. And the reason that is, is because in parkour, first of all, you're making those decisions yourself. You're not in a team sport type setting where um, someone else could have control over your health. For instance, someone could slide tackle your meniscus out of place. Um, you know, all sorts of crazy things happens, happen when bodies collide. So parkour is really unique in that you as an individual get to make the decision and you don't have to worry about other people having control over your body. And that's a, that, that's a huge leap forward for safety. And then the second thing is basically we're just checking our surfaces and making sure they're strong. So 
Um, with that said, it's just up to us to progress at our own pace. So if people can set their egos aside and focus on good form, they're learning from professional instructors, um, it's incredibly safe. And I've actually, in the eight years I've been training, only had one major injury, and that was spraining uh, the Liz Frank joint in my foot. Uh, so even though you see these videos, and, and often kids do see really sensational stuff, it's important that people know that there's so much work that goes into that, and it's an incredibly safe thing. On the flip side, soccer has destroyed my body. I'm not going to in any way argue that motorcycles are safe. And, uh, yeah, I broke my leg skateboarding, um, tons of injuries, snowboarding. So, yeah, it's the safest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, that's well put. I would actually do do you one better. Um, <laughs> I see parkour as the ability to learn how to crash. Uh, I ride motorcycles. You brought motorcycles up. My son rides motorcycles, and now he's taking parkour. And one of the things I told my son is I want you to ride dirt because you're going to grow up. Odds are you're going to grow up wanting to ride street. And one thing you learn about dirt riding is how to crash. It just happens, right? So the first time you take a tumble off of a street bike and you haven't crashed on a dirt bike and learn how to, to roll and absorb the energy like you guys teach in, in parkour, you're going to get hurt. So the way I look at it is it's training for his body awareness so that he, if he does go down in the dirt or if he grows up and rides a street bike and crashes, he's got a much better chance of, of walking away uninjured because of the practices that he's learned that you guys are teaching. Yeah, exactly. And that's what parkour with Kimmy is all about. Um, one of the, my favorite things about parkour with Kimmy is that it's not just for parkour. It's for real life. And no other martial art, no other sport, nothing else studies falling the way that is as applicable to real world um, scenarios as parkour. Because we're falling on concrete and rails and in high speed, high impact situations. So when it comes to, for instance, I got hit by a train in France uh, a few years ago. And I walked. <laughs> he glosses over that. <laughs> I, uh, uh -huh. I, I walked away without a scratch and it ended up being a nice little chuckle rather than being paralyzed for the rest of my life or potentially dead. Um, and I've gone over my handlebars plenty of times. I've had so many things happen since I've been studying this. And the coolest thing is that it really prepares a human for the most inevitable thing you're probably going to experience in life that's falling. It happens to everyone, no matter who you are. So, yeah, I really like that about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's well put. Well, before we get too far, uh, too deep into this, I want to make sure that, that the listeners truly understand what parkour is. We, we explained it and talked about it, but what is it that they would witness if they came into your gym or they watched some sort of competition? Paint that picture a little bit so they fully understand. Yeah, it. so lots of swimming. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what, two-thirds of the earth covered with water? Yeah, so, so if we're going to go anywhere. Yeah. Move, you got to learn how to swim. We're science-based. I didn't realize I was interviewing uh, comedians. <laughs> yeah, we're science-based. Um, a lot of water <laughs> in this world. So, no, actually, I do want to say that just so people can have a deeper understanding of what parkour is. Swimming is parkour. Um, if you're a climber, guess what? You're studying part of parkour. Uh, parkour is a vast study because it really is any movement you can think of. The only thing that will really define styles and commonalities is the fact that there are common shapes in this world. So there are a lot of three-foot walls around and three-foot rails. So because of that, you'll see a lot of techniques focused on dealing with that shape. Um, so hopefully that gives you like a little idea, bit of an idea of how vast the study is. Um, as far as actually what you're going to see, mostly sprinting, jumping, climbing, vaulting, landing to rolling, falling, um, you get more swinging and stuff as well in the gym. Swinging in there. Um, quadrupedal movement, moving on all fours, low to ground. Uh, really anything you can think of. It's a bunch of people looking like they're trying to imitate like big cats or monkeys, basically. <laughs> so those are like my two biggest inspirations is like apes, primates. You know, they're really good at moving. Especially, I mean, because they have similar body types, we kind of look like them when we move. And then also leopards and like cheetahs and big cats and stuff they have a lot more grace and power but they we try to emulate them as well yeah that makes a lot of sense actually i mean i, I chuckled when you first said it but it, <laughs> it it really does uh identify what you're doing okay amos why would you encourage people to give it a try themselves uh the reason i would encourage people 
is because it's been so life-changing for me. Uh, I, I always kind of had this mindset uh, of climbing trees and jumping out of things. And I just, I've always liked to play and I kind of miss that memo that is sent out to like mid teens where they just like, people are like, Hey, you're an adult. You shouldn't be doing that. So I kind of missed all that and I just kept doing it. Um, but even then, even with that background, I was really clumsy. I wasn't strong. Um, in so many ways, it's enhanced my health, my ability um, to just be in this world confidently and move well. Um, whether it's playing other sports or doing other like extreme sports, um, it's amazing how fast I can learn now, even dance, just because I understand my body. Um, I have so much understanding of the different technical aspects of movement that I just, I adapt really well. So I could write a book on this subject. It's going to be hard to sum this all up, but the benefits are a long list, mostly having to do with health, um, confidence. Um, I'm more capable of helping others and myself in emergency situations. Um, and community. This is one of the coolest communities I've ever been a part of in my life. For some reason, this style of training just brings together a lot of really good people um, that are just strong, strong-minded, strong bodies. So, yeah, I, I could go on for so long. Maybe Brandon can fill in some gaps I missed. Uh, no, I mean, that, that pretty much <laughs> – you did a good job. I mean, yeah, there's no reason not to do it. it. It makes you – like you said, like for me, it was another huge thing is – especially with our community – um, you won't see this necessarily everywhere, but you will see it as a big theme throughout the global parkour community. And that is like health is like a huge thing. We're all focused on sustainable training and that's a huge um, like pillar in our, in our like style of coaching and everything else. And part of being sustainable in your training is also just being sustainable in life. So I just have gotten way, way healthier being exposed to this community and and learning some things about diet, nutrition, and and the way like body mechanics work, that even if I was never into parkour again, like he said, I would just be a better off human for it. I would say just because I've advanced my overall health in a big way, and um, and as part of that, my mental health is is also increased because, you know, like any art or activity, I feel like the it helps you know yourself a lot better. So you, you're finding out good things about yourself, what you're capable of, and you get to surprise yourself and gain confidence. And, and, and because you're doing weird stuff and you're doing it out in the world, it, it really makes you, um, I guess, confident in yourself, like he was saying, because you kind of have to be. You're just like, you're doing goofy things on the street and people are going to yell parkour, parkour at you and you have to... <laughs> you know, so... It kind of like, it makes me. you like a little more easygoing, even in a, in a way, because you you have to not get embarrassed. It's it's good practice for you know mental stuff, physical stuff, everything. No, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I completely get what you uh, what you're saying. Amos is Brandon's mental health really stabilizing? <laughs> um, no, it's mostly a facade. Okay, so I'm he's positive too. He's yeah, he's good at talking. <laughs> he's good at faking it, but no, I that's kind of from my perspective. Um, and I didn't come into it too unhealthy. Um, yeah, I was clumsy and I couldn't even do one pull up, but I think the main reason people need to do this is because obesity truly is an epidemic in our country. And I think it's because exercise isn't fun. Most people have a negative connotation with exercise and it's understandable because the gym is super boring. I used to try to do that before and it's so easy to make excuses and not go to the gym and lose your rhythm. And next thing you know, you haven't been there for a few months or whatever. And parkour is truly about play and functional movement that is going to aid you in your life. So there's never these moments where it's like, oh crap, I have to train parkour. It's like, let's go have fun. And one of the coolest byproducts is now I'm strong and healthy and overcoming maybe obesity or other uh, difficulties I've been through. Yeah. There's an incredible sense of freedom too. Years into my training, it feels like I really don't feel as inhibited as I probably used to. I can't even remember what it used to feel like, but yeah. I can't imagine going around the world now and not being able to think I can go basically anywhere I want because of like my body can take me there. And, you know, I, and also yeah. because I sneak into places when I'm doing parkour. So, I, you know, <laughs> so I'm down with that as well.
Let's talk car racks, specifically Yakima and Thule. Chances are, if you're listening to our show, you either have one, want one, or you're going to need a car rack soon. Car racks, whether on the roof or on the back, need a good set of locks to keep your gear locked down to the rack and to your car. Good news. Our new sponsor, Z-Lock, has new lock sets for all Thule and Yakima racks at about one-third less than anywhere else. These lock cores are sourced from the original manufacturer and include bonus keys. Need replacement keys or cores matched to your current lock code? Z-Lock has replacement options even if you've lost all of your keys and don't know your key number. Check this out. Z-Lock is offering Adventure Sports Podcast listeners an additional 20% off their already low prices plus free shipping. Just enter the code ADVENTURE at checkout and you'll save up to 50% off a retail. Go to zlock.com forward slash adventure. That's Z-E-L-O-C-K dot com forward slash adventure and save. Come celebrate with us August 10th through 16th as more than 100 youth from over 12 countries from around the globe travel to the Vail Valley for the 14th annual World Youth Fly Fishing Championships. We are proud to host this Olympic-style event and to showcase the Colorado free-flowing rivers and scenic beauty for all the global competitors. You can help by volunteering to be a part of the event. For more information, go to www.wyffc2015.com or just search for World Youth Fly Fishing Championship 2015. We hope to see you there. Well, you guys bring up some good points. I think there's a lot of people out in the world that will just dream of having uh, no inhibitions that you speak of. You know, that's a that's a big. We joke around about the the psychological aspect, but that is a big psychological psychological aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's really cool because sometimes you get some some misfits or some just some some of the kids that come to our gym. Like, you know, they're they you know I was probably the same way sometimes when I was younger where if you don't gravitate towards like the team sports and stuff, things that are more traditional, maybe you're a little more introverted or maybe you're just a little shy or whatever it is. But then we've seen some real like blossoming going on in our gym with kids that find the confidence. And that's like one of the greatest things about the, that or the greatest things that parkour has given them aside from their strong body is just like a personality that they can feel confident in and, and just, you know, being, an yeah, identity, it, I guess, in a way. Yeah, it's so cool how it bleeds into so much of your life. Um, with parkour, we actually spend a lot of time dealing with fear and overcoming fear and really knowing yourself in those moments. And so, like I said, this is a, an entire book we could write on the benefits of parkour. It's insane how much there is, but um, I guess that's maybe scratching the surface what we offered right there. Yeah, no, I get it. That's uh, I would much rather have my son down there working with you guys than uh, learning to sit on the couch in the afternoons and play video games. Yeah, you know, there's a time and a place for those, but you know, too say. many kids are doing that. Yeah, we should say that from now on. When people say parkour is dangerous, we should be like, video games are dangerous. <laughs> if you look at yeah, it exactly. statistically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not good for your health to be on the couch. So parkour, American ninja warrior, free running, buildering—how are they all different? How are they all alike? What separates them? Well, ninja warrior is kind of a, a goofy thing that we like to do as a fun pastime um, because it's mostly mini tramps and weird stuff that you won't probably find in the real world. However, it is an obstacle course, and we love to run obstacle courses. So we do it for fun, um, but because they really stifle creativity, they force competitors to all do a similar movement, um, it's just not really our thing. We like more variety, more uh, more ability to be creative with your strengths. Um, we think it's better as a spectator, from a spectator position, and also just more fun for us. So we do that for every once in a while, but don't take it seriously. I mean... As far as how seriously I take it, I blindfolded myself last time I was on American Ninja Warrior and ran the course like that. So we're not too serious about it. However, 
um, the parkour community is a majority of that show is parkour people, but because it's a reality TV show and they're trying to drum up a bunch of drama and they want diversity, they just don't mention that about most of them. Um, a lot of the furthest Ninja Warriors on the show are all actually from Apex Movement Boulder. So that's kind of cool. Um, we've got Paul Casimir um, and a lot of the Wolf Pack guys that are pretty famous now that train at our gym. Um, so Ninja Warrior and parkour, the, the only crossover really is obstacle course running. And it's a chance for us to get to attest our skills, even though they're not really what we train for. We have to adapt to some weird obstacles. Yeah. It is an interesting like scenario to put yourself in because you only get one shot at the course generally. And you know, it's just, yeah. it's fun in that regard. And because like there's lots of people in the, in the parkour community doing it, it's a fun adventure for all of us. Yeah. Um, you also <laughs> asked about free running. Is that right? Yeah, free running, buildering, they're all kind of in the same genre. Yeah, often um, this is probably good for people to know. We use the umbrella term parkour to mean most of that stuff. Um, but unfortunately, we kind of have this uh, difficult history with the founders that caused some terminology problems when they split up and were calling it different things. And then the American culture interpreted and defined some of those terms the way they wanted to. And it creates some difficulty for us as we describe this, but in a basic way, um, Americans have defined parkour as the efficient efficient side of um, movement, whereas free running is about the aesthetic. So if you're um, doing parkour under that definition, you won't be doing like backflip 360s and different movements like that because it doesn't actually get you efficiently to, from point A to point B. Um, but no one, we don't know of anyone who just says, I'm a free runner, I only do free running, um, or I just do parkour. That's kind of a relic of the past, um, a bunch of hilarious debates online. So now we just usually use the word parkour to mean all of that um, because acrobatics actually do play a big role in falling technique and also some efficiency stuff. So not much of a dif difference there, really. Okay, that makes sense. Brandon, yep. was there a time when you just you got hooked on this was there just a moment when you tried something or you saw something or somebody introduced it to you you just said this is this is what i want to do this is my new thing um the first thing that comes to mind other than the first time i was very first time i was exposed to it which was like i think i was 12 and i was watching tv and it was like something that's featured on ripley's believe it or not this old tv show uh they showed like some of the i think it was the amakasi or jump london which was this documentary that came out way back in the day about parkour. I remember seeing it and thinking that's for me, but then I didn't do anything about it. But the next thing that really stands out and that kind of cemented like where I'm at now, I think is my, that first competition I went to in Seattle, which was in 2012, the Seattle summit. And, um, basically because that was one of the first, I think the first time I took a real parkour trip and I got to meet another community and realize that there's lots of other people doing this all over the world. And, um, also I did well in the competition and I didn't really expect to, but it made me feel like I, I really enjoyed the experience. And I felt like I also got to expose, I got exposed to lots of different athletes and some of the athletes there had been training for over a decade already. And just to see where they were with their training was mind blowing. And it really made me want to continue pushing myself and continue getting better because yeah, I, I I could see just like down the road, like wow, you can you can get to a level where you're just moving with effortlessness and confidence um, that I wasn't moving, you know, that way yet. So okay. The, the competition, I think, was the first thing, and it's weird because there's a lot of people in the parkour community that not really so much anymore, but used to be sort of against competition. They felt like it um, stained the initial spirit of the the discipline, but. It's it's always been a huge source of inspiration for me for me to be around these other incredible athletes and and uh, see like what I can work on and and communicate and compete and test myself with these guys. Mm -hmm. So our competitions um, are they judged? Are they points based? You I think you have freedom of obstacles to some extent, right? So how do they how do you actually judge a competition? Yeah, there's two kinds of competitions that you see right now in, in parkour and free running if you want to make the distinction. And that's um, a speed comp. So those are the ones that I've always participated in. Those are the ones I've always done, you know, well or pretty well in. 
And that's basically, here's an obstacle course, here's a start, here are a few checkpoints, here's the finish. Fastest person from, you know, start to finish going through those checkpoints wins the comp. Um, and then there's sometimes little side things to that where they'll just, like, have completion challenges, kind of like in bouldering, where you have to just finish a move in a certain way or finish a challenge. Um, but that's a little bit harder to describe. The other kind of competition that exists is a free-running more style of competition where he's, Amos was speaking about the aesthetic, and it's there's not really a start or finish, and if there is, there's definitely no checkpoints. It's just kind of like, here's 90 seconds of time. Show off, basically. <laughs> just like, show us what you can do. Express yourself, I guess, is a better term, but... Like freestyle, right? Freestyle, yeah. I mean, it's more like, you know what you would see in like the half pipe of X games or something like that, or um, even the Olympics where you get to choose whatever tricks you want to do and just kind of do them in the order you like to do them and do them as clean and as cool as you possibly can. But you know, you're taking your time, you're judged on creativity and execution of those tricks and not, you know, against the clock. Right. You mentioned X games. Is there any kind of uh, push or movement out there to, to involve parkour in X games at all? Um, we've heard some discussions about it. Uh, even there have been some discussions about the Olympics, but uh, the problem with the aesthetic freestyle is that I, I just really don't think it has a future in that because you just have to standardize it so much to bring it to that level of competition um, with the judges that it, will take away from what free running and, and parkour are. Um, with gymnastics, you can have this book where all the techniques are, you know, this many points. Then you're just going to create this culture of people that are doing techniques for point amounts. And that's just not what our culture is. Our, our culture is about just self-discovery and exploration, fun. And I just don't think we're going to be able to ever take that and make it big. However, um, the, the speed competitions don't have judging um, for the most part. It's all you versus the clock. And because of that, I think obstacle course competition um, may be something that would emerge in Olympics or X Games because it really is super sensational. It's fun to watch. I mean, look at Ninja Warrior. It's on NBC. It's doing really well. And people are sitting there watching you know, however many people do almost the exact same thing back to back, except sometimes they fall earlier than the other people. And what's cool about obstacle course competitions that we run are they're like through one section, you could see 10 different competitors run that section 10 different ways. And it's really exciting. If someone comes through with a loophole, they like do one, they do something that no one else figured out and it cut like five seconds off their time. Um, so there's just tons of creativity and variety. And I think it's more interesting as a spectator sport. And then you don't have to deal with the whole judging aspect. It's just you versus the clock with rules. So yeah, I think potentially that could make X games. Um, and there are talks about the Olympics. Oh, that'd be cool. I think that would be a good fit. So Amos, not everything always goes the way we planned it to go. Do you have a good story about a time when something happened? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's almost how I perceive the practice of parkour in its entirety is just learning how to deal with the fact that most often things don't go exactly how you want them to go, especially in your early training as a beginner. So we have a heavy emphasis on the adaptations that you'll want to use when that doesn't go just your way. And I find it interesting, um, with passers-by the reason they probably think it's so dangerous is that even if you've got a pro athlete doing the most perfect front flip 360 or whatever, they could land just right and the passerby could think, oh, well, what if they didn't land like that? Like they would break their legs. And so people right. usually they have this very limited idea because they're only seeing movements executed just right. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have a huge range um, in which we work within. So if we're jumping towards a, a rail that's 10 feet off the ground, we don't have to land on a dime. We, we don't need to be that precise. In fact, there's a, there's a small range, probably a few feet, maybe a, more like a couple feet, in which we can actually still control that landing. And then there's even a bigger range in which we might not be able to control and stick that landing, but in which we can be safe and bounce back off of it. So there are, with everything, acrobatics and you know vaulting, everything, there are these huge ranges 
um, within which we work um, and we have all these adaptations for. And then once we get outside of that and we have a real fall, we also study falling. So parkour is almost in its entirety the practice of how to deal when things don't go your way because almost 80% of my training, I don't get it exactly how I want. So um, as far as the story of that, well, 80% of my training, that's like thousands of training hours. I guess I could try to pull one that's interesting. Um, let's see. I'll try to do something more sensational. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was up in Montreal on a tour, and I jumped this really technical jump to uh, like a metal crate that had an overhead above it. So it changed my landing technique, um, which caused me to slip on my feet. And the drop was a nine-foot drop to concrete, and I was actually falling headfirst. So in this point, that could have gone terribly bad. That could have been anywhere from um, you know serious permanent injuries to even possible death. And that's why it's incredibly important. I want to say to anyone out there who is doing parkour right now, you should not be training at heights at all unless you've studied the falling techniques and the adaptations that are needed for those heights because – that's where parkour gets bad rep in the media is when people do that and aren't prepared. But I had been practicing um, these falls and these slip outs enough. So I naturally um, found my balance kind of on my, on my butt and backflipped off the electrical crate and landed on my feet. So I was definitely a little surprised because I was mostly watching my body and my muscle memory do that. It was a little scary, but um, it was kind of cool to walk away completely uninjured. Wow. So all of your training just kind of let it, it just kicked in. It was a matter of you just about kind of watching your body take care of itself instead of being there consciously. Yeah. Probably. And for maybe other action sports, you'll hear people talk about those things as they happen maybe like every six months or something. It's kind of like a rare thing. What's cool is we talk about those things as in every training session, we get to watch our bodies and our training um, teach us how how um, much we have going for us in our muscle memory. In his first book, Sydney to London, The Long Ride Home, Nathan Millward writes about his nine-month, 23,000-mile journey across the world on a 105cc postal carrier bike. However, that wasn't enough adventure for Nathan, so he again headed out on another adventure of 8,000 miles across America and wrote about that trip in his second book, Running Towards the Light, Postcards from Alaska. Pick up these two great books and get inspired to set out on your next adventure. You can find Nathan's books at www.nathanmillward.com, as well as the Amazon bookstore in your Kindle. The 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fill you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new Flame at 180TAC.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame. Think big, pack small. All right, guys, take some time to tell us about Apex Movement. What is it? Why should people come down and visit? What can they see when they get there? Uh, Apex Movement is a parkour educational facility. And actually, it's not just that. Um, we really wanted to put a roof over a ton of different movement arts. Because parkour is such a vast study, we really want the influence from dancing, from martial arts, from circus, um, all sorts of things that really help us become more knowledgeable movers. And we love the crossover as well. We like to see how different communities influence each other and new styles are born of it. So Apex Movement, we call it a parkour educational facility, but a lot goes on there. Um, when you walk in the doors, you're probably going to see all ages just jumping around on various shapes, whether it's handrails to movable walls, foam pits, trampolines, 
um, all the tools that we deem necessary so that people can learn from day one very safely. So you've got lots of mats. Like I said, a foam pit, it's a great tool for that. Um, all the way to a lot of hard surfaces and really high, scary jumps for advanced practitioners to really test their minds and um, progress after you know 10 years of training. So um, with that, we also really value modularity. So we don't want people to get bored. So we worked into the designs a lot of different equipment that can be moved around to create an infinite number of shapes. Um, for instance, we can attach bars to our bar setup so that you can always have new bars in the gym when you walk in, or there are movable walls. There are rails that you can balance on that are two inches off the ground, um, things like that. So one of the things I can point out that is that for parents that are considering it, there's very little cost in the sense that you don't have to buy all this crazy equipment. You know, you get a kid in hockey, you got to buy all that gear. I have a daughter in Irish dance and oh my God, the dress, you know, um, you know, my, my son rides a motorcycle. You got to buy a motorcycle, whatnot, but getting into parkour, there's almost nothing to buy. Right. I mean, you, you probably need a decent pair of shoes. And that's about it. Living. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I have all these skills and there's nowhere to, to sell them. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now they need to get the training. That's what they're coming to you for. But as far as equipment, you know, you're, we're not looking at football helmets or baseball bats, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're thinking of maybe like starting to educate people that you do need a motorcycle if you're doing parkour. <laughs> and so we're going to start getting in the motorcycle business and then that's how we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll work probably from drive that. some more profit. No, that's one of the coolest uh, that makes thoughts. sense. I'll, I'll help you out with it's that. It's cool that you pointed out because that's, that's definitely a huge benefit. And it's one of the coolest things about parkour is it takes a pair of shoes if you want not them. Even, but you don't even, even – there's lots of barefoot practitioners and especially our youth students often train barefoot. So you only need the clothes on your back to, to do parkour. If that. If that. I mean <laughs> you, may, you don't want to get any kind of tickets for kind of being in the wrong <laughs> public spaces. But if you're in the woods, you don't need anything. You are not painting healthy pictures for my my mind, nor our listeners. I'm sorry. sorry. Hey, every, everyone loves a nice naked jaunt through the forest. Yeah. And, yes, and yeah how about really you enhance that race. and make it faster? That's what we're <laughs> All right, really bad pictures going through my mind. All right, moving off of naked jaunts through the, the forest, uh, where do people need to go to find out more about you guys? Where can they see some cool videos and, and learn some more? Uh, I think that there's a lot of different places. I think probably the best places for people to start is if you want to start studying at a gym, just go to apexmovement.com. You can find all of our locations on that website and anything you'd want to know about that business. If you're in an area where there is not a parkour gym, that's what Parkour Edu uh, will address. So um, you can go to parkouredu.org and get uh, plugged in there. And then if you just want to watch some free tutorials, some um, we put out a lot of free information. I have a YouTube channel called Parkour Ukimi Rondori Fun where I put out information on my projects. You could go right now um, with, you know, you don't need, like we said, you don't even need any equipment. Also, you could just be in your house right now. You could watch some tutorials on how to do a parkour roll. And within the next um, 30 minutes here, you could have yourself a parkour roll on your carpet in your living room. So uh, those are some good starting points. Um, if you want to see some more entertainment and maybe sensational, um, more extreme look at what very talented people can do with their minds, um, then you could probably check out um, their project. Brandon and, and Dylan and Knox, those guys um, have a project called Merm. And so you can go to their YouTube channel, Merm, and watch some really good videos. Okay. How do you spell that? Uh, it's M-Y-R-M. And uh, our website's mermlife.com, M-Y-R-M life.com. And yeah, that's a side project that I started with a couple other professional parkour practitioners. And uh, we just did a tour through Europe. We're going to put out a documentary, but we also have um, some video and uh, just blog content on our website that you're more than welcome to check out. Once you become a full-on parkour nerd like myself, you want to get really into it. You're going to want to go there. All right. I'll make sure that I, uh, I get all of that stuff from you guys and put it in the show notes. So anybody listening can just go down to the show notes and find all these links. Don't, don't worry about trying to write them all down. Sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Now, from each of you, I want a funny story. You guys have to have a funny story each to end the show with. I got one. So many. I don't know why this popped in my head. It's not really that funny, but maybe it will be. 
Um, I think what's what's funny about what the training parkour sometimes is to me like what it must look like to other people and even like me just sometimes I don't feel because it's just you and your body you're not you don't pick up a skateboard and you're like oh I'm skateboarding now or you know you put on your baseball uniform and get your bat and you you feel like you're doing baseball now but we were like walking through Helsinki on this Europe tour and we just kind of looked over saw like this gnarly shape um these couple these set of walls that was like kind of gnarly drop obviously on concrete and it just kind of looked gnarly and we're like let's go over there and immediately i saw this move that i wanted to try which is called a dive kong to a pre- precision and then land and roll on the on the floor and i had to go from basically being cold warming up within like 10 minutes to trying one of the gnarliest things i've done in my life and uh and there's like some spectators like on the on the sidewalk and I don't know. For me, the moment was just so funny because I was just thinking to myself, like, why, like, who, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm jumping head first over like this gnarly drop, ten foot drop to some sketchy walls, and uh, it just, like, it made me laugh a little bit because I was like, I know why I'm doing it. I want to test myself. I know I can do this safely, and you know that's what I love about parkour is that I get to do like something that you feel like a superhero doing, but it also just cracked me up that I was like, this, these people must think I'm crazy. <laughs> and then yeah. I do it. I thought they think, I thought they were going to think I was really crazy and really wild. I jump over head first, do this dive Kong pre-descent, like one of the gnarliest things I've ever done. And the cloud, the crowd would just kind of went, mm, and just like one dude, like golf clapped, just like, he <laughs> was like, yeah, it was all right. And it, that made me laugh the most was just like, they don't really understand it. They're like, "What can he backflip though?" Is probably what they're thinking. So <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it is. So nobody yelled out hardcore. No hardcore. One, I mean, that was in Helsinki, so luckily no one knew about it. About <laughs> that phrase, at least. Yeah, it's funny how, even though we have very strong purpose in what we're doing, we're doing things nowadays that we never thought were humanly possible. Maybe just like a few years ago, and so every once in a while you have these existential situations where you're like. <laughs> whoa, what am I doing with my life? This is crazy. Yeah, and it was just like kind of off the street too. It's just kind of yeah. like, yeah. I was just walking a second ago and now all of a sudden I'm trying this thing. But like, it's just because I'm in my body that doesn't feel like I started doing parkour or anything. It's just, it was really, it was a fun experience. <laughs> really weird. Really. You guys remind me of squirrels. My dog likes to chase squirrels as they're running down the fence and the squirrel just goes haywire and slips off the fence and tries to pull it back up and it takes this death-defying leap over to the branch <laughs> on the tree. And, you know, that's kind of what you guys look out uh, like out in the park to yeah, uh, those of us who are used to it. You want to get squirrel level of confidence where you don't even <laughs> think about the, the death drop beneath you and you can just 100% commit to jumping to some crazy branch and always always grab it. Right. Well, I'm putting this one out there for you. I want to see you guys combine parkour and the wingsuits that the base jumpers it's use. It's already been a dream of mine. I don't know how I'm going to work it in there. They have like the free base like soloing or whatever where you rock climb with a with a base jumping wingsuit on. And I guess the only thing you would do is climb a building instead of a rock wall. And then you but can it maybe could call be a, it parkour. It could be a gap jump at like or, yeah. 40 stories. <laughs> And then Dude. if you miss it, you just pop your parachute. <laughs> just open your arms. That's right. Yeah, I like no, it. That'd be ideal. <laughs> all right, Amos, you're up. Um, all right. Well, actually, first, I, I'm having a little trouble. So many funny things have happened in my life with parkour, but I'm having some trouble narrowing in. Brandon, do you have any ideas of a, a funny story you think? Um, funny story for Amos. <laughs> nah, nah. I mean – there's some funny stories with Halloween. Maybe you could tell them a Halloween story. We dress up sometimes because of our skills. That. Let's let, uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. There's some practitioners in Boulder. We we don't necessarily know who these guys are. Yeah, we've heard. Of um, those. But we'll dress. They'll dress up. Who knows? Yeah, every Halloween. Halloween uh, in some like black outfits with ninja masks. And the reason it's funny is because people see a group of ninjas and it's like, oh, that's a funny Halloween group outfit. But <laughs> actually, they after seeing one like crouch down, they look up and there are just ninjas hanging off the sides of in shadowed buildings. And uh, so, yeah, I heard these, these people have a lot of fun with it because they do a bunch of skits 
and uh, funny things. Like one year, um, there's one of them had just a little tiny white taekwondo gi on, and he was the white ninja. So they do skits where like uh, other people would be walking down the street, everyone would dive roll and flip out of the bushes to attack random passersby, and then the white ninja would jump in and fight them all off as like a skit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of fun has been had. Um, one time they found another ninja, so just a soul ninja. He looked really sad walking. So they just snuck up behind him and just uh, ru- like walking around the sides of him, enveloped him into the group. And he didn't know that everyone else knew that he was the outsider ninja. And so he just went with it. But we all watched him. I mean, they all watched him. <laughs> They all funny. they all watched him and he just like went with it for like an hour. He hung out with them and uh, we just had a bunch of hilarious experiences like that and a bunch of skits and social agitation we do or they do with uh, with people. But <laughs> that's good. But slightly controversial. So that's why we wouldn't go out dressed as ninjas <laughs> messing with public. So no, of course not. Well, here I'll, I'll make you a deal. If I rent. A squirrel suit. And I don't mean a wing suit. I mean an actual squirrel suit. Will one of you guys put it on? We just go mess with people down in the park, <laughs> down a wash park, and we'll I film the whole thing? That would be pretty fun. That would be hilarious. That's something that I really want to get into that – like when you asked about a funny story, I have so many hilarious things that have happened just in how people interact with me when I train. And so I really want to do hidden camera parkour um, videos. <laughs> I just haven't had the equipment or the time to put into it. And yeah, if you gave me a squirrel suit and you like got a few cameras together, I would definitely be down for that. <laughs> it would go viral. We'd all be set for life. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, fun to put your skills to use in the in the public a little. Oh yeah, no doubt. No one really expects anyone to be able to do some of the things we can do. No, no. In fact, I was watching a video. Um, I mean, you guys, I've seen your videos too. You're doing crazy things. One of the ones I saw was. Uh, this dude jumps off from it was somewhere ten to twelve foot uh, ledge, you know, a building of some sort. Um, but he didn't just jump off of it; he jumped about ten to twelve feet across a walkway over a bench and landed on his back and popped up. I mean, you're looking at the guy flying through the oh, air, you're thinking that's that superhuman. There's no that way. That was probably from your Kemi channel, Wait, what? where the guy does a 12, 15 foot dive roll. Oh. over the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that oh, insane scenario where that guy. Um, he messed up his front. Flip. He messed his front flip up. He had meant to land on his feet going into it, and um, he luckily, you know, had a safe dive roll out. Um, that's a pretty rare scenario. And and to be perfectly honest, uh, I don't know the guy, and so I don't know his training habits. But I would be a little bit worried about his training habits <laughs> if he was gonna, like go head first to the ground. That's definitely ill advised. <laughs> Well, it really did look superhuman. Uh, you know, I thought that there's a lady standing there with a stroller or something. I thought she's going to drop her phone. This, this guy just comes launching over and, and about takes himself out on the bench. Yeah, yeah. that was wild. That was he a, had good instincts, and he he, yeah. he was lucky enough that he'd probably done enough dive rolls in his life that he was comfortable doing it at that speed from that drop. But that was not his intention. Okay. And, uh, I'm kind of glad to hear you say no, that. Yeah, actually. that's not his but intention. It's funnier to think that, though. Yeah. What if that's <laughs> the best part is that that lady thinks that he meant to. Right. The lady thinks. And, and, like, what? No, I, I like the reality where someone would go that far just to play a joke on some lady and her baby. Like, watch, I'm going to make them think that I just fell from a story. <laughs> but no, that's not the reality of the situation. I'm telling you, is this crazy squirrel? That's, I see the squirrel do that every day in my backyard. The same thing that guy did. He's just bigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Good interview. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to explain a little bit more about parkour. You taught me a ton, and I, I imagine you taught our listeners about it. Um, yeah. Well, we're doing it for hopefully. us. We're, we're pretty selfish. <laughs> we want people to stop yelling hardcore parkour, <laughs> and we want people to understand that we're not crazy. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you convinced anybody you're not crazy, but maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you've helped a little bit. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having Thank us on. I appreciate it. All right, take care. You too. Would you like to be a guest on an upcoming show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click contact us.